Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. I'm really excited today as we're continuing to launch into a brand new year to uh, have some conversation with a really good friend of mine that I don't get to visit with that often because they live so far away on the other side of our country. Uh, I want to introduce all of you to uh, the National Director of Alpha Canada, my good friend Shayla Visser. Shayla, say hi to everybody. (laughs) Jeff, it's so good to be with you. I love this conversation because when you and I get together, we get to talk about a lot of different things and now we're sort of letting everyone in on it. So I'm happy. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't have a lot of uh, idle chit chat. It's sort of right down to <laughs> so what's exactly. going on. Let's get into it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that that's going to be fun again today. Um, some of the people listening in have never met you, so can you just give us the kind of introductory ABCs of who you are, where you're from, kind sure. of all of your background stuff? Sure, sure. I grew up in southwestern Ontario, down the 401, where the 401 actually ends south of Windsor. And uh, I grew up in an immigrant family. My parents came from India to Canada in 1970. And uh, so I was born here, love our country, love this country for people who are new to the uh, nation who get to find this place, a place of safety, a place of connection. And that was what it was like for not only my family, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, everybody. So immigrant family, from India and my mom's from England, but they immigrated from India. And I have, I grew up in a rural Anglican church and I loved my little church. And it was a wonderful place to hear about faith, see others live a very down to earth faith. And so I think I came across uh, Jesus in that little church, decided to follow him, but went to university and thought, I'm out. This is not the thing to do if uh, you want to fit in in university. And it wasn't until my last year of university that I thought, no, I got to take Jesus seriously. This is not the way I want to live. I want to live for him and not for myself. I would have liked to know you in university because I was in a very similar place. So we, we won't well, even talk about I, that. Yeah, we won't talk about <laughs> it, but say- let's just let's just say at the University of Western Ontario, as it was then known, Western University, I ran Frosh Week for 5,000 students. That was my summer job and my uh, employment. And I loved every second of it, but it was not exactly a role you'd necessarily put a Christian into. That's That's a good way of describing it. When people ask me about my university experience, I'll tell them, by the end of it, I didn't like who I was becoming. <laughs> that's a actually a much better way of saying it. That's a, that's a nice diplomatic way of saying, yeah, I was a bit of a train wreck. So anyways, uh, back to you. Tell us, you, you now you live in Vancouver or Vancouver area. Tell us about your family and all that. Yeah, so Ryan and I, we've been married for 22 years. We live in Vancouver proper. And I came out here from Ontario post-university to work for a couple of years for Power to Change. And in those couple of years, I met Ryan. He was a West Coast boy. He's like, I'm never moving to Ontario. And uh, and so we stayed out here, got married shortly a year, I guess, two years after we met. And uh, I've been out here since then. I love it. I've become a bit West Coast. So I'm pretty happy to be out here now. And uh, just talk about your role at work. Obviously, we'll get into Alpha in a few minutes, but uh, just your role, how that's evolved in the last little while as well. 
Yeah, so I'm the National Director of Alpha Canada. That's what most people would know. And then I also help out with Alpha Internationally as the Senior Vice President. And so we look at global evangelism issues, strategy, leadership development, product development, all the things that you'd look at globally. And I love those roles. I sit on a couple boards where I get to bring some of my leadership experience to bear on some other places. And uh, I just love the opportunity to use my gifts and talents to hopefully be a blessing to a lot of different people. Yeah, so that, for people listening that aren't familiar with Alpha, which we will get into in just a moment, but uh, Alpha International, is it based out of the UK? Is that correct? Yeah, it's based out of central London in the UK. Yeah, so you make how many trips a year to the UK? Well, pre-COVID, I'd say probably three a year. I mean, who doesn't want to go to London? And the, with the location of Holy Trinity Brompton, the birth of place of Alpha is like beside the Victoria and Albert Museum, down the street from Harrods, a short walk away from Hyde Park. So it's a pretty nice place to have to make a work trip to. Yeah, I've never got one of those invites. So uh, I'm just going to put that on the record here. That, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, you, we'll get you there. But it's, it's going to be a while before everything opens up again. But we yeah, you, promise. You convene these alpha trips and I hear my friends going and I just, you know, wonder what I've done. I, I would swear you've been invited, but maybe well, what, somehow what we missed that. Upset you, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you on the invitation. Uh, hey, let's dive into that because I know this is certainly one of your favorite subjects. For someone who is listening today who pretty much has been living under a rock, um, what is Alpha? Yeah, well, Alpha is a place, an opportunity for people to explore the meaning of life from a Christian perspective. So you can come from any sort of faith background and find a safe place around a table in a Zoom call to discuss the meaning of life. And so it was really made up of three things, connection, which can be around a meal, can be just around uh, connecting with other people uh, on a Zoom call, and then getting a little bit of content. We have content for adults called the Alpha Film Series. We have it for youth called the Alpha Youth Series. And people watch the content and then they have a conversation around what it means. And in this conversation, you can say anything. You can believe anything. You're going to be loved and accepted regardless of what you think of the topic of that day. And by creating a safe environment where people feel loved and welcomed, we have remarkable conversations and people really get to explore the person of Jesus in that context. So over a million people have done it in Canada, over 25 million people around the world, and we hope to see that number increase. But so many people, the stories are, regardless of whether they decide to become a follower of Jesus or not, the stories are are so transformative because they got an opportunity to meet great people, feel connected into a local Christian community, and start a journey of faith and spirituality, which I have loved because it's always a positive experience regardless of the outcome. I love the framework that you provided of connection, content, and conversation because that's a little bit more of a fluid definition yeah. for what Alpha is. I know historically it's 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 sometimes been experienced um, quite rigidly as far as the, the way that the program is to administer and the number of sessions and there's a weekend retreat. And can can you just talk about granularly like how it works or what the flexibility is for how it can work? Well, it's typically 10 sessions. Um, and as you said, there's an alpha weekend in the middle of it during COVID. That could be a day. It could be a couple of nights on video, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of hybrid versions. But I would say there's lots of flexibility within it. We've designed what we know has worked after, I don't know, 100 
different courses. Our pioneer and founder of Alpha, Nikki Gumbel, he's done, I think he's at 96 courses. He's in one three times a year. And he's the one alongside the global executive that would redesign any parts of it. So although it's flexible to the local church, what we just say is, hey, try it the way that we've done it for so many years, see if it works and see what you need to adapt. Because if you're running it in prisons or a university campus or a high school, there are adaptations you have to make. And at the end of the day, we're totally fine with that. We just want to help people have an experience of Jesus over a number of weeks. It's not a quick, you know, three sessions. It's, it is 10 sessions plus an alpha weekend or day. And why would you say from your experience, even from, the, the broader global, even Nikki's experience, you know, 90, whatever of these, um, like why is alpha so effective? Because just, if you're listening, you've never heard about before this, this dog can hunt this. It yeah. works. Why, why would you say alpha is so effective? Well, Bishop Sandy Miller, who is Nikki's predecessor, would say the reason it's so successful and has been so ex- effective at helping people meet Jesus is because somehow along the way, the Holy Spirit adopted it. Now, that's a very spiritual answer, and I recognize that, but it is reality. There are lots more people in the world who could do high production value products, who could take our model and just tweak it and make it better. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit continues to use it and bless people. And I think it's for a few reasons. One is we're very laid back about the process in terms of we allow people to go on a journey and we don't try and force particular uh, conclusions on anyone. We allow them to be in the process. And I think there's something beautiful about saying we trust the Holy Spirit to be at work in this group and we'll just facilitate conversation. It's not a Bible study. There's no correct answer. This is a facilitated open dialogue. The other thing is I think we lead with love. We genuinely love each person that comes and we work with and coach and train churches on how do you actually have a posture of love and hospitality to each person that comes along. And the third thing is, and I think probably the most significant part of Alpha, is that we leave space for encounter with a living God. We don't just say, hey, come and get some head knowledge and a nice meal and meet some nice people. We actually then facilitate moments of connection, transcendent connection to a holy God on our Alpha weekend. And that's where we see the vast majority of people's lives change because in that moment, they allowed themselves to open up and say, God, if you're real, show me. And so I think there's a number of components that make Alpha what it is today, but the largest would be we leave room for encounter with God. Very few people are convinced intellectually of God. They can have some intellectual robustness to faith, of course, but what actually uh, convinces them somewhere along the line is they've had an experience of God and they believe him to be true. And this is where I know for you and knowing you as as well, as long as I have, this is where the gear kind of shifts from you as the national director of Alpha, the crude language would be just peddling a product to actually exuding through this ministry, this passionate heart for evangelism. Can you, can you give us a bit of history, just even in your own life, of why evangelism matters so much to you? You know, as I told you early in this podcast, I, in university, I put Jesus on the back burner, you know, barely on the back burner in university and just decided I was going to live the life I wanted to. And I had such a profound meeting with him in my last year of university where I just was so dissatisfied with the things I was learning at school about how to make me the center of the universe, um, how to prioritize my wants, my desires, my needs, um, how to get ahead 
and it just felt so me centric. And there's something about it I didn't like. I also found that the social world of university, which I did really love, was not deeply satisfying. And because of that, when I decided to put my full faith in Jesus as a young adult in university, it was the most remarkable moment of my life where I knew I'd made a decision that would impact me for the remaining years of my life. And I just fell in love with Jesus. It's the only way I could describe it. I fell in love with who he is. I felt so whole and I went on a journey and I'm still on that journey with him of learning to be found in him, learning to love him. And so for me, evangelism isn't, as you said, peddling a product, working for Alpha Canada. I would say peddling isn't even the right word, but I'm all about a person. And regardless of who I work for, the primary invitation from the Trinity for my life is to introduce as many people to Jesus as possible. And so in my role at Alpha Canada, I happen to do that with a team, through a team, um, developing young leaders, etc. But it is at the end of the day, my one song is how do I introduce more people to Jesus? A lot of people listening, you know, you would know this, get intimidated or uncomfortable uh, when we think about evangelism or growing in their evangelistic effectiveness or impact or it, it flows out of you, though, as a joy. Can you talk about you know, why it is or maybe how it is that you've personally been able to find such joy in evangelism in just exposing other people to this person of Jesus? I think it's because I realized I cannot convince anyone of anything. Literally, I can, I love to sell. I'm always selling something, like convincing someone, we got to do this. Let's do that. Let's try this. But when it comes down to a faith in Christ, I can give intellectual reasons. I can give emotional reasons. But at the end of the day, it is a profound work of the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. And so Daryl Johnson, a friend of mine, who's a pastor and a theologian, he says, and I agree with him wholeheartedly, evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And why that's so exciting to me is I'm just joining the Holy Spirit. There's, I don't have to try to do something different to win someone to Jesus. I just have to join what the Holy Spirit's doing. And time and time again, Jeff, in my neighborhood during COVID, on phone calls with friends, there has been so much opportunity because every morning I wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I'll join you in whatever you're doing today. Show me and I'll join you. And I can't tell you how many times that leads to a conversation, maybe not directly about Jesus, but it's a kingdom moment between myself and someone else that will hopefully over time lead to a conversation about Jesus. Fantastic. That's massively encouraging. Um, I know that Alpha Canada cares about more than just its primary program, than just the Alpha course mm -hmm. proper. Uh, can you describe kind of your ministry as a whole and what else it offers to serve people and leaders across Canada? Well, we offer a number of different things, but before I get to like what products do we have, um, which is kind of a little bit of the answer to this question, I just want to say that we are people that champion and love and serve the local church. We believe in the local church. We're sold out for the local church. And we think our calling is to do everything we can to make evangelism in the local church easier for the church, 
by providing them excellent resources to reach their community, by providing them excellent training. And so we come alongside church leaders and say, how can we help? That's our posture. And in that, we provide prayer, we provide events, we provide training and coaching, et cetera. But we have our Alpha, which most people are familiar with, Alpha film series, Alpha youth series. We also have a marriage course and a marriage prep course, which uh, most people don't know about, but has been run in communities right across the country and allows people to offer something into their community, not just for their church, but into the community that has biblical values, but isn't so Christian that you couldn't invite your neighbors who are struggling in their marriage. So we have those two as well. And so our heart is for the local church to flourish and reaching people. And we want to be like an engine that comes alongside of them says, how can we help? Where did that heart come from? that local church-centered kind of core value of Alphas? Well, it came out of the heart of Nikki Gumbel and Sandy Miller at HTB. He was the vicar and Bishop Sandy was the previous vicar. They just had such a heart for local churches really flourishing in, in reaching more people. They had such a conviction that Jesus not only transforms a life, but he transforms society. And so they just went for it. I'd say in my personal life, I grew up in a home where my mom in the summers in the Anglican church, you didn't have Sunday school or youth group or anything running. And my mom would take us to different churches and she'd introduce us to all these different kinds of churches. She'd take us to Detroit. We'd go to these black gospel temples that were unbelievably lively, like I'd never seen growing up at a rural Anglican church. She'd take us to a Catholic church. She exposed us to the church and helped me at a young age fall in love with all the variety of expressions of the local church. And so I grew up in a wonderful, tiny church church that had the most unbelievable community. And I just think the local church in any given community, regardless of size, can provide something so unique, a place of spiritual vitality, a place of welcome, a place of hospitality, a place of love and compassion and care. I I went to church this past Sunday for the first time um, in a number of weeks because of Christmas and COVID, et cetera. And I, I wanted to run to church on Sunday morning. That's how much I love being with a community of believers. Another piece of this that flows out of you is a passion for leadership development and particularly a a passion for female leadership development. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about that? Because I know you guys have gotten involved in some initiatives there as well. I really as a leader, love to think about 30 years from now, not just, you know, your strategic plan and three years and what are you going to do in your annual plan, but what does it actually mean to be a leader who has an impact beyond your lifetime. And it always is about people. And so I really want to develop young people. It's a passion of mine. I I remember praying when I first became a Christian in university, God, give me a ministry to young people. And it took a long time for that to happen because in some strange way, I was ministering to people older than I was because I was in a business ministry. But then over time that developed, and I've just been so excited about millennials, Gen Z, the potential in them. And I thought, I want to do everything I can to help call out their unique giftings and talents that I can see, either with my own eyes or with Holy Spirit eyes, to be able to say, I see this in you. I want to be the one who clears the path before young leaders so that they can run faster, harder, longer than I can. Um, So I, I don't know what it is, Jeff, other than this overarching passion in my life to see young leaders flourish. I I can't get enough of it. I can't do enough of it. And I just love to watch them fly. 
So one of the cool things that I've been able to observe in this last season is that the, these passions, the passion for evangelism, the passion for church, and even the passion for leadership development, yeah. they've now resulted in some work that you guys at Alpha have done in partnership with the Flourishing Congregations Institute. Mm-hmm. Can you describe this project and kind of what the end result was? So in June of 2021, we partnered with Dr. Joel Thiessen at the Flourishing Congregations Institute to uh, ask pastors in Canada. And when I say pastors, I mean executive pastors, lead pastors, priests, bishops, ministers, vicars, rectors, uh, their thoughts on evangelism. And we had a set of questions for that. And Joel had said to us, hey, listen, if we could get a thousand pastors filling this out, that would be some robust data. Well, we actually ended up with 2,701 pastors that filled it in. So we feel really confident in what it told us. We had some, let's say, general thoughts that the research would prove this direction, and it did, that most church leaders, and of course it's COVID, so there's lots going on, uh, 64% of church leaders are not prioritizing evangelism. And when we dug deeper into the data, we realized that 30% of pastors in the country think it's wrong to actually see someone change either faiths or go from no faith to become a Christian. They think it's wrong to evangelize people. And when we looked even deeper, we saw that with youth and children's pastors, 46 and 48% of people think it's wrong. And so that just showed us there's a lot of gaps in understanding of evangelism. Now, there was some hopeful things as well, because it did point to a uh, group of pastors, regardless of church tradition, it wasn't, you know, evangelicals did this, it was across the church traditions. There were pastors that during COVID actually accelerated their evangelism impact and their evangelism prioritization in their local communities because of COVID. And so it was a little bit of a mixed bag, but it was the minority that said, hey, this is a moment of pain to offer the world hope in Jesus. The vast majority were actually focusing internally, understandably, understandably. But what we want to do is say to denominational leaders and, and church leaders across the country, there is a need to meet um, in our communities who are hurting, who need Jesus. And will you open your eyes to the reality around you and take take this moment that God's given us to be people of hope and peace. And so you've put all these findings together in this resource. Yeah. What would you say if someone kind of combs through it and, uh, you know, digs into all these findings, what would you say is just the big idea of the state of evangelism in Canada? I think the big idea that I would point to is people want to know if Jesus is good. They no longer care if Jesus is true, is uh, the truth. They are not interested in him as being um, the right answer. They're interested in him as being the hopeful answer, the, the person who can give them life. And so I think it's a big change for us as Christians is to think, how do we not come at it with apologetics, which are always helpful and good. We have to give a reason for our faith. But how do we come proving to the world that Jesus is good? I think that's the challenge for the church today. Hmm, That's fantastic. Um, If I'm listening and am eager to get a hold of this resource, how how do I do that? 
Yeah, you can just go to alphacanada.org and you'll find it on our main website. If you go, scroll down the page, you'll find it easily. Uh, obviously, this has led you to gain some really great perspective on where the church is at these days, uh, yeah. not just the state of evangelism, but you know, especially coming out of COVID. What are you seeing? And uh, I'll, I'll pretend that this isn't West Coast biased because you do have a very national perspective, if not a global view of this. Yeah. Um, what do you see as the church's kind of greatest challenge or challenges these days? I perhaps will give you an answer that you're not expecting. I think youth is the biggest concern globally for the church, not just in Canada, globally. I was surprised that probably midway through 2021, as I talked to my colleagues around the world and other pastors around the world, that there's been an implosion of youth work. I thought it was just in North America. I knew it was already heading this direction, but it accelerated during um, the pandemic. And we haven't yet seen the complete fallout of it. But while most of adults we know who are committed at church were willing to go online and do Zoom, teenagers were not. And so what we've seen is an implosion of youth work. We've seen youth leaders um, quit at a higher number, higher percentage than ever before. We've seen uh, youth leaders actually leave ministry, not just leave being a youth pastor, but leave ministry. So we've got a number of issues around youth in the country and around the world that we need to work on. So that's one thing. Uh, that would be my big highlight. Like what if church leaders should be thinking about something, you know, what would I suggest? Think about what are we doing for our teenagers today? How are we coming alongside of them? And how are we actually giving them um, leadership development, spiritual development, adults to love them and care for them that aren't just their parents or their grandparents, but how can we bring communities of faith-filled people around them to champion them, call out their gifts and talents, pray for them, lift them up? I'd be thinking a lot about that if I was a church leader. Hmm. The second thing... Um, that I would say is, is really significant is how do we help Christians love Jesus more? Everything flows from that. I don't know what all the right answers are to that question, but if I look at whether it's in my friendship circle, my work circles, ministry circles, the people that have fared well, and I'm not saying they didn't have mental health struggles or didn't find COVID very exhausting and challenging, but the people that have been the most resilient and the most hopeful are the people that seem to have been able to cultivate an increasing love of Jesus during this season. And I don't know what that looks like in every church in Canada, but I do know that I've seen the fruitfulness across the country, and I'm very keenly interested in how do you do that in a congregation. Obviously, both of those, both of those challenges are also opportunities. If I mm -hmm. flipped the conversation around and said, "What are what are some of the church's greatest opportunities these days?" Are there any other things that you would add to that? Absolutely. There, I think there are people in churches right across Canada who are longing to be part of a hope-filled story. And one of the things we've learned at Alpha, and we're so fortunate because Nikki Gumbel. Um, the vicar of HTV, he is so positive and he always sees hope. And I think, I think our churches are looking for people who will speak hope and give them an opportunity to be, to be involved in hope filled mission. And uh, Arthur Brooks, who is a Harvard professor and teaches a course on happiness uh, says that one of the key, four key factors of happiness 
is having a purposeful life and purposeful being about other people. And I just think in our congregations where people are tired and weary, how we go about helping them to see they will regain energy and vitality in their spiritual lives and in their mental health by serving others as they are healthy enough to do that will actually bring life to them and to the communities around them. So being able to speak hope and giving people hope-filled volunteer work, meaningful work, will be very significant for the church in Canada. In the work that you guys are doing, the influence that you're seeking to have, and the trends that you're observing. When someone says, Shayla, what's the church going to look like in five years or in 20 years or you know, whatever kind of future picture that you have, um, from your perspective, what do you see? I see smaller and stronger. I think smaller because it's it's the reality of the pandemic. I think most people know that there's all sorts of numbers being bantied around 20% smaller, 30, 40% smaller. That doesn't surprise me seeing it in my own congregation that I attend. I'm seeing it and hearing it from pastors across the country. So I see smaller, but I see stronger because those that are there are really there for a purpose and a reason. And they want to make a difference and they want to be activated with a community to make an impact. And so I think stronger uh, and more resilient. So I see great days ahead for the church. I just think it's going to be painful to get there. Uh, Knowing we have not only Southridge Church members, but leaders from all across the country and beyond that are listening in, uh, how can someone connect with you? Uh, Social media, alpha, personally, whatever, give us all those particulars. Yeah. I'm easy to find on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm once in a while on Twitter, but I think Instagram's the easiest place to find me. And my details are easy to find um, also on my website, shaylavisser.com. Fabulous. Any final sort of thoughts or encouragements to both our local churches members with whom you've been a good friend from afar, uh, as well as leaders from across our country that you kind of get up daily to serve when it comes to either us personally or together as churches, uh, just maximizing maybe especially our evangelistic impact, but you've talked about a bunch of other things, resilience and youth and things like just, just maximizing our impact this year, especially coming out of the pandemic. What's your encouragement to us? Two things. One, as a leader, do everything you can to make much of Jesus in your own life. Everything will come from that. The second thing I want to say is that keep your eyes attentive to the world around you. Uh, This pandemic has opened up so many opportunities for the gospel. In my own neighborhood, I've had opportunities to pray with people that have no Christian background, that actually are allergic to Christianity. I've had opportunities to invite university friends who I have known for 25 plus years to come and check out Alpha that have said yes. I have been blown away that Matthew 9, the reality of Matthew 9 is finally um, tangible to me, which is the harvest is plentiful, it's the workers are few. Most times we think of that and think, yes, overseas that's true, you know, in Africa, in India, in wherever else, but not here in Canada. And I just want to challenge anyone that thinks that the harvest isn't plentiful in Canada, pray, pray for the workers and ask God to give you eyes to see the harvest when you see it you will be blown away and you will be filled with such joy and hope as you join the Holy Spirit in his great work of bringing glory to Jesus so that we may all know the Father. 
Fantastic. Shay, thanks so much for uh, making some time to have a bit of a conversation and share your heart with all of our peeps. I was really looking forward to this and I'm so glad that we could start the year off this way. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Jeff, it's great to be with you and with all your listeners. And I hope to hear from some of them on social media and see how we can continue a dialogue around how to make much of Jesus in our country. Awesome. And uh, to all of you listening in, uh, track with Shayla and uh, keep tracking with us. We'll be back in seven days right here as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.